0: And I thought, what would this look like if it was easy? And well, the answer is you would write a function that runs on the server, and then you could just import that directly into your front end and run it. Like in Ruby on Rails, that's how you do it. You can just import things and use it anywhere if it's all in the the same environment. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, that's pretty awesome if you could do that, but then have an API call automatically happen there somehow. And so I was like, how can we do this?
1: This episode is brought to you by Rollbar. Move fast and fix things. Resolve errors in minutes and deploy with confidence. Head to rollbar.com/change_log, request a demo, get started today. It's loved by developers, trusted by enterprises, and most of all, we use it here at ChangeLog. Move fast and fix things with Rollbar. Once again, rollbar.com/change_log. Welcome to JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. Have you been missing that K-Ball energy lately? Good news, everyone! K-Ball is back next week, baby. He led an awesome conversation on GraphQL for yesterday's live show. That one will hit your podcast feed next week, but if you just can't wait, we posted the live and uncut video to our YouTube channel. Check it out at youtube.com slash changelog. Right now, we're talking Blitz. Hey, it's party time, y'all. Hello and welcome back to JS Party. I'm Jared Santo. Boy. Today we are here to talk about Blitz.js, a full stack React framework built on Next.js, inspired by Ruby on Rails, has a new full stack data layer, lots of interesting stuff. I'm joined by Blitz creator Brandon Bayer. Hello. Thanks for joining me, Brandon. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, we're going to have some fun today, and Brandon has a really interesting framework. It's a full-stack React framework, and it has a manifesto. So whenever you wonder, where do we start with this thing? Well, if the person has taken the time and put the thought in and written a manifesto, you got to start with the manifesto, right? Yeah. That's where it all begins, right there. (laughs) Yep. Did you write this before you started Blitz? Did you start Blitz first, and then you wrote the manifesto? Tell us the story.
0: The story of the manifesto or how Blitz started? Give them to me both. All right, well, so how Blitz started was, I've been a software consultant for a number of years, building apps for mostly small startups. So I've built multiple React applications from scratch, full stack. And throughout 2019, like I kept feeling like, we need Ruby on Rails for React. And if you go back, you can see I've tweeted about this like every few months. And one time I was like, somebody please create this, or so I don't have to. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right no one listened
0: yeah anyways so early this spring i had a phone call with a friend of mine who is a ruby on rails developer and we were going back and forth about like the advantages and disadvantages of developing with ruby on rails and versus like a single page app with react and separated back end and i got kind of frustrated because i couldn't win <laughs> because like with react you have this whole api layer that you have to have where with ruby on rails like that's entire section of like your app architecture that's not there and so mm-hmm. it's a lot simpler you don't have to do data fetching and all of that
1: so when you say you couldn't win you're saying he was like beating you to the to the ground with ruby on <laughs> rails features is that what you're saying you couldn't win
0: well you know it's tongue in cheek but yeah After the call, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what, I think we have all the pieces there now to build like a real Ruby on React, which is Next.js. And they had just come out with the get server-side props hook. And so you could just have direct database access, but still use Next. And then secondly, Prisma 2, which is a really nice database client, and so those two kind of match together as a really nice combination.
1: Right. And so you thought, here's a good timing, good opportunity. Now, if you go way back in the day, pre React, perhaps, when Node first hit the scene, there were Rails clones for Node. Sales was one of them. I remember it because yeah. it rhymed with Rails. And there were some that were less on the nose. But over the years, people have Meteor. tried certain things, Meteor, which had some conventional work configuration, but also had kind of a bigger. Idea, I think than Rails had, but even like maybe Happy JS, maybe that's not quite a Rails, but it's yeah. definitely a framework. So there's been a lot of these things, but once React became a thing, you talk about on your manifesto this bundling that Rails did and the unbundling that React did because it is just a single purpose, so to speak, focused library that it doesn't bring a full application to the table. In fact, you kind of cobble that together, or you yeah. You create like a a chef would put together a a beautiful meal, right? So you decided to start Blitz to answer the call of a Ruby on Rails inspired thing with React in mind, not just with Node or with JavaScript in mind. Right. And the manifesto came afterwards. You decided I need to really describe what I'm doing here. Yeah,
0: kind of codify like all of the things. um, Yeah, that like I had in my head.
1: (laughs) So... I'm an old man in this scene nowadays. I know, I know Ruby on Rails inside out. I've worked with it for many years. I was first inspired by it when DHH wrote his, or made his video a blog post "How to Create a Blog in Like 15 Minutes" or whatever it was. And there was no YouTube back then. He put it on his own website. It's like I've been around, so like when you say Ruby on Rails inspired for me, I get it. I'm there for it. I'm excited about it. But there's a lot of folks who are like, "Isn't that the thing we all escaped?" Or like they didn't actually experience. <laughs> the transition from maybe a Ruby background or from a Rails thing to JavaScript. Like they started with JavaScript, they started with React, they started with Redux, and they're wondering, what does Ruby on Rails' inspiration even mean? Can you give that a bit of a
0: detail? Yeah, that's a great question. From what, just talking to people, a lot of people have said, like, I don't know what Rails is, but I've heard a lot of good things about it, so this is interesting. Yeah. So like, I think where you get people that haven't done Ruby on Rails is, building a full stack application today is too hard. Like they understand that there's too many pieces to figure out to put together, like how do you do it all right? There's so many different ways to do it. What's the right way? Am I messing something up that I don't even realize? Am I having like security vulnerabilities, etc.
1: Right. And so this appeals even if you aren't necessarily familiar with Ruby on Rails, you're at least familiar in these principles, the ones that you list off here. You have seven pr- principles in your manifesto. I'm going to list them off and then maybe you can pick off a few that you would like to talk about. Maybe they're highlights or maybe they're ones that are easy to describe to sell folks on what you're up to. So the first one is it's full stack and monolithic. Now we might have to define full stack because now there's full stack front, jam stack front end full stack. Um, (laughs) So maybe we'll have to talk about what that means full stack. I think it means actually fully full stack. Full stack and monolithic is your first principle. API not required is principle two. Convention over configuration, that one lifted directly from Rails, which is awesome. Loose opinions is your fourth principle. Five is easy to start, easy to scale. Six is stability. And seven is community over code. That's a lot. I like that last one quite a bit. Any that you'd like to start off with and say, this is what Blitz is all about?
0: Well, API option, not required, is definitely the biggest piece of Blitz. I think it's also the
1: biggest differentiator from other competitors. So somebody in our Slack chat was asking, well, what about Redwood? Because we just had Tom Preston Warner on the show and Redwood's another full stack front end JAMstack framework, trying to provide some batteries included a lot like Blitz is. But Redwood very specifically is API and front end full separation, right? Correct.
0: With GraphQL in the middle.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's how a Redwood app would be. And so differentiating very on a, a straight line from that is what Blitz does, which is no API required. Maybe that you can still put it in an API, but it doesn't exactly. have to be there. Can you explain that decision and why it's such a big deal?
0: Sure. So the very first prototype I threw together of Blitz, which I touched on earlier, was it was server-side rendered. So it used to get server-side props first request to next was server rendered and then subsequent request or page transition were client-side, but next still ran the code on the server automatically. Hmm. But as we got into like real research and development for Blitz, of like what is the best architecture? We're wanting to move away from that so that you could still do client-side rendering and we didn't force you into SSR. And so we're just exploring different ways. And one day I was brainstorming and I was thinking, like, you know, how can we do this? And I thought, what would this look like if it was easy? And well the answer is you would write a function that runs on the server, and then you could just import that directly into your front end and run it. Like in Ruby on Rails, that's how you do it. You can just like import things and use it anywhere if it's all on the in the same environment. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, that's pretty awesome if you could do that, but then like have an API call automatically happen there somehow. And so like, how can we do this?
1: Yeah, somewhere in between, you have to have the server talk to the client, right? And vice right. versa. And since the API is not required, I assume that you're writing it on our behalf or you're auto-generating some sort yeah. of.
0: Yep, yep. So what we do at build time is we swap out that direct function import with an API call. And so when you're developing your app, you don't have to think about that because I have in the build time for you. Mm-hmm. And so you get like static uh, TypeScript, like an auto-completion and everything without, like your front end is statically typed all the way from your database. Okay. Which is like impossible without GraphQL traditionally.
1: Right, so is it a GraphQL API in the middle or does it matter what you're actually doing? It's not. It's not.
0: It doesn't matter. Unless you want to use that API directly, which you can. Yeah. But it is a JSON API right now, basically an RPC style.
1: So it's an RPC, remote procedure call style, JSON API that you guys auto-generate and can be invisible to the end developer unless they need to peek out of the covers and access it directly or invariably as you build more complex applications, you know, all the law of leaky abstractions comes into play. And that abstraction, no matter how hard you try to make it great, can't map over perfectly the real world. And so you'll have to, you know, get in between there and and access it directly. Or can you modify it? Can you tweak it or anything? Or is it just purely generated out of your model layer
0: or something like that? Most of it is purely generated. But we have, so there's multiple things you can do. We have HTTP middleware that runs on the server that can intercept that call. It's actually Connect Express compatible. and so you can use that on the server to intercept your blitz queries and mutations, which use the, the automatically generated API. And then if you need something else, you can do a custom API route, which is like the same as with Next, where you have your own endpoint, direct access to the node request response objects, and you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. And so you can still use that you know, like normal.
1: Can you give a concrete example of something that you, a function you would write on server side, import client side and execute? That's a common thing or that, you know, lots of apps are going to do. So people can say, oh, that's what he's talking about versus trying to conceptualize sure. it.
0: So uh, let's say you have a user model in your database. And so you need to do CRUD operations on that create, read, update, delete. And so for each one of those, you're going to have a get user query, a get users. Query and then corresponding mutations for create, update, and delete. So, in the get user function, you'll directly access your database. Like by default, it's Prisma too as your client, okay. and so you're going to access the database. You're going to do anything you need to do on the server, whether it's talking to the third-party APIs, doing some type of processing, triggering events. So this is kind of like a Rails controller. Gotcha. And then You import that function into your client code, into your React components, and you pass it into the use query hook that Blitz provides. That's built on React query, which we can talk about that. But that query hook will automatically do the data fetching for you. It will do automatic caching. It'll do cache and validation. It'll do revalidation if you come back to the window. And it'll it'll make sure it's up to date. You can do polling and like all of those sort of advanced features. Mm. And then secondly, for the mutations, which is even a little bit more simple, is you don't have a use mutation hook. So the mutation you import into your React component, and then like in your form on submit handler, mm-hmm. you call await, create user, pass in the data, and That's just like a direct function import in your code, but at build time, that's swapped out with the API call. Very cool.
1: So these auto-generated API calls that happen at build time, what can happen with auto-generated code, trust me, I've done it before, is that you have a hard time optimizing for the things that you need and for fetching too much information and like joining across tables that maybe you had no idea you were joining across. These are some of the reasons why GraphQL is a thing, right? Like, only give me the data I need not as much side loading, et cetera, et cetera. How optimal are those API calls, and are they editable by the person that says, "You know what? Actually, I know more about this than Blitz does in this particular context because it's contextual." Sure. Can I edit those, or are they just am I stuck with what you give me? How does that work?
0: The beauty is that you, as the developer, have full control over everything that goes over the wire because okay. exactly what's returned from your a uh, function on the server is exactly what's sent over the wire to the front end. So it's my fault. Yeah, we're not adding <laughs> any like extra stuff on there. Like it's just a simple connection between the function call on the server and the client.
1: And you're just sending objects. You're not having to serialize Correct. them or anything like that.
0: We are serializing it, and one thing we're doing now is is uh, adding like full serialization to support date objects, regex and sets and maps
1: so when i say you I, I meant the developer blitz does the serialization the developer doesn't have to yes. serialize or they do correct correct okay the we's the use the pronouns are, are difficult here blitz does that for you <laughs> blitz does it for you that's great one of the things i always feel like is just drudgery in most application development is let me go ahead and just like marshalling and unmarshalling data you know like let me serialize this. Let me JSON.parse it over here. Yeah. I don't need these fields. I need that one to be a function, et cetera, et cetera. It's nice that you can just pass objects around and not have to worry about exactly. any of that stuff, yeah.
0: Exactly. So on like overfetching, like with GraphQL, you can specify which fields you want to return. Um, so we don't have anything like baked in for that, but Prisma Client has the ability to select only certain fields. And so you can accept that parameter Um, as an argument to your query. And you can pass that to Prisma client and then you can only get like whatever you want. From the client, you could specify like, hey, I want this specific call to get user to include like some child, some relationship entities. And so at the various call sites, you can use the same query function at different locations and each location in the front end can specify different requirements for what it wants. And it's just like normal coding. It's just like you would in a local environment.
1: Linode is our cloud server choice. Grab the Nano plan for just $5 a month, just 5 bucks That gets you a gig of RAM, a blazing fast 25 gig SSD, and one terabyte of transfer. Let's be honest, you can go a long ways on that 5 bucks. When you do need to scale up, their prices are predictable, so you can put your calculator down. You won't need it. We've been running changelog.com on Linode for years, and we've always impressed by their award-winning support team. Check them out at linode.com changelog. Once again, that's linode.com slash changelog. So differentiated again from redwood with the api not required when i spoke with tom about redwood i was arguing for the simplicity of the design that you're espousing for blitz and one of the things he said is that with that architecture which i think he agreed is simpler conceptually for developers which is always nice is that you give up the multi-client opportunity which is if you're going to have a mobile app, if you're going to have an API, a public API, if you're going to have multiple desktop apps, you know, if you have all these different clients that are going to attach to your web app, you're going to need that API anyways. You're going to need a GraphQL API or a REST API. So not building it right away is myopic, short-sighted. What do you think about that?
0: Well, so number one, you can use the generated APIs from anywhere. So it's, it's just a standard API endpoint. That you can add token authentication to and you can use. So it doesn't automatically nullify like multi client situations. Now, yeah, it's not gonna be as nice as a GraphQL API, but it's essentially similar to a REST API. It's just like you're gonna have to look at the documentation of how to use it, right? Right. But you can do it. So the other thing is definitely mobile uh, using the API from mobile apps is important Yeah, and we are planning on adding like first class support for React Native. Not sure quite how we're gonna do it yet, mm. um, but the dream and like what we're gonna working towards is have a mobile app in the same repo. And so you can share components if you want to or, or at least business logic code. And then you could import those same queries and mutations into your React Native code and then we mm. could like swap that out with uh, a generated client. That would be super cool. Does
1: that sound like it's a long ways away, long ways down the road? Or are you working on it actively?
0: And not working on it actively. There's there's more important things working on right now, like authentication. But that's like the dream experience. If we can't get that to happen, then we'll still like have a way to easily generate an API client mm. that you can import. But either way, using your back end with mobile apps is very important. Yeah. It's just increasingly common where you need some sort of mobile app.
1: I like the idea of the fallback idea of an auto-generated client library that you can use from inside React Native. If it's not like straight up native React Native support with components and what have you, but just like, okay, here's all the, the function calls that you make in your web app. Here is a ported piece of code that's you know either in the mobile language of your choice, it's, it's a Swift library, or maybe it's just a JavaScript library and you have to use uh, React Native or something, that you can make the same function calls, but it's not quite as hand-holdy as your, your big goal. So that would be very cool. Let's uh, turn now to another one of your foundational principles, which seems like it's inspired by Ruby on Rails, but does diverge a little bit. So principle four is loose opinions. Ruby on Rails has very strong opinions. And in fact, when it first came out, you did it the Rails way, or you had a hard time doing it. Over the years, it got slowly more modular. And so you could plug and play certain aspects of Rails, but it was very opinionated for a very long time. And it sounds like Blitz is opinionated, but not all that opinionated. What, what's loose opinions mean?
0: Yeah. So uh, loose opinions mean that we take a less strong approach than Rails for saying like this is how you should do it. So there's like most of our opinions we don't enforce. And most of our opinions don't like affect things in like a certain way or like it's basically easiest to go outside of our opinions.
1: Okay. Can you give me an example so like here's an opinion that we have,
0: but Sure. So Prisma 2 is an opinion that we have that by default. But we don't depend on that. You can rip that out. You can use a type ORM or anything else fauna which we're gonna we'll be adding plugins for things like fauna and actually prisma will be a plugin too so database agnostic but prisma 2 is a default another opinion is whenever you generate a new app you have things already configured for you like prettier ESLint, husky get hooks like all of the stuff most people have yeah but you can easily change that. Like we don't abstract any of that away. You still have full control over it.
1: What's your opinion on TypeScript?
0: TypeScript is amazing. My analogy is TypeScript is like running through a maze with your eyes open, but JavaScript is running through a maze with your eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can't, you have to slow down and kind of feel your way and like, does this actually work? Okay. Yeah, I can go this way.
1: (laughs) I like that. That's a good metaphor.
0: So right now, JavaScript support is still lacking a couple things in Blitz, but that is an option. So whenever you generate a new app, you can say, hey, I want this to be JavaScript instead of TypeScript. But it does come with TypeScript by default.
1: It wants you to navigate the maze with your eyes open. But we got to admit, you know, running through a maze with your eyes closed, it's more fun you know, more
0: exciting. <laughs> You're not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, definitely more uh, risky and dangerous.
1: Thrilling. See, it's just all how you how you talk about it. You call it dangerous; I call it thrilling. Stability is another one. This sounds like this is something that no one's going to disagree with. Everybody wants, uh, especially in a framework, even more so than a library, is stability because whenever you build on top of something versus integrating something, you want that thing that you're on top of to be stable. Because if you build your house on a shaky foundation. It's not really a house after a little while or you spend all your time and money maintaining that foundation. So stability is an important key and part of your manifesto. And it sounds like you're taking keys from Ember, which to me is a great idea. Yeah,
0: I think Ember is doing a fantastic job. I was in the Ember community just very briefly a long time ago, um, but I really like their release cycle where they have multiple uh, release channels with like long-term support, stable, beta. And they have things like the next stable release has to be in beta for six weeks, I think is their, their stable release cycle. So it has to be in beta for that long before it can be actually released as stable. And so it gives you this time to prove out any bugs. And so also, the pre- release cycle is very predictable. Like, you know, every six weeks, there's going to be a stable version. Right.
1: So is that aspirational? Or are you actually executing on that today? I know Blitz, somewhat early days.
0: Yeah, right now it's still alpha. So we're like 0.15, I think, on the version. So right now we're just fast and loose. <laughs> at your <third laughs> risk. Uh,
1: keep you you know, keep an eye on the release notes. But yeah.
0: once we hit 1.0, then we'll institute that some predictable release cycle. Now, we're not set on like exactly like Ember does with six weeks. We're open to feedback. We want people's opinion on like what would be good for Blitz.
1: last one I want to make sure that we mention is your community over code foundational principle. You keep talking about we. I assume there's more people than just yourself, but it is early days. So these projects usually start off with a small community. Talk to me about your community's aspirations and even uh, realistically what it looks like today. Who's working on it, etc.
0: Sure. So back when I threw together that first prototype, it was just me. I put out a tweet and said, hey, I'm building Ruby on Rails. And a bunch of people were excited. Tweet kind of went viral. And so I got about 30 people interested in helping and a fair number of those are still involved today in some fashion. And Rudy is one of the, the other core team members now. And he was came in at the beginning and he's like the genius behind the whole compilation step and all of like, it's like fancy stuff. That's like kind of <laughs> how, how he does that. We actually compile Blitz code into Next.js code. I was going to ask you about the compile
1: step, but I got the wrong person, maybe.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So there's three of us, core team. The other one is Dylan. They've been working heavily on the graphical user interface. So this is like you can do everything from a web interface instead of a terminal for like running, commands, etc. et cetera. Mm, that's neat. And beyond that, we're up to about 75 total contributors now. And... You know, people come and go as open source, right? Yeah. But there's probably, let's say, roughly ten people that are like fairly active. It's kind of hard to get a, a good estimate on it. Sure. But there's always, always uh, PRs and things going on. And one thing that's really crazy is, anytime you put up a, a good first issue, like something that's pretty easy, yeah. Uh, a lot of times it's fixed within an hour. <laughs> well, that's nice. So. We really appreciate our contributors. Start putting that in your
1: harder ones. See if you can hack in. This one's really easy, I swear. (laughs) That's pretty cool. So is anybody using it in production? You know, I know it's in alpha, but like are people building websites with this? Is it still like a toy project? Yeah, they are?
0: Yeah, a few people. Even before we added HTTP middleware, they were doing authentication with like a custom API route and passing JWTs all around like... (laughs) in kind of a weird way, but they made it work. So. Nice. Yeah, there's a couple that are in production, I think, but I'm um, still early.
1: What about yourself? Are you just working on the framework? Are you also a user of the framework?
0: Not a user yet, but I'm <laughs> itching to be. So uh, right now, I am working on Blitz about 30 plus hours a week. And wow. then I'm consulting on the side part-time to kind of fund that.
1: How long have you been doing that?
0: I've been working on Blitz since the middle of February, I think. So I up months. quite a many hours by now. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's definitely early days, but you've got a lot of work into it. And you're just supporting yourself with part-time consulting. Yes. How long is this going to last?
0: Well, it can last forever. Like, I'm running at a sustainable pace. But obviously, I want to work on Blitz full-time. Um, so I'm working on, I'm accepting sponsorships. So I already have D B as a sponsor. And then, nice. Yeah, I'm looking for more sponsors.
1: What does that mean when they sponsor you? What do they get for that? What happens for them?
0: Um, they get like logos on the GitHub repo, website, et cetera. Awesome. The other thing we're working on, so like, is plugins. So we'll have an official plugin for fauna, so that mm-hmm. you can instead of Prisma, you'll have uh, like a first-class fauna plugin.
1: Very cool. Obviously, it's a React framework, but You mentioned Next a few times. It's built on top of Next or around Next. It uses Next. And I'm sure there's some people who are happily using Next and thinking, I don't know, it seems like it has most of the things that I need. I think you get this question often because you have a whole web page for it. (laughs) Why would you go from, like, if I'm a happy Next person, would I still want Blitz or would I have maybe reinvented a few things that Blitz does already, why use Blitz instead of just directly using Next.js?
0: So... If you are happy with Next and you already have other APIs and things, then yeah, like there's not necessarily like a really compelling reason to switch to Blitz. Uh, but for new full stack apps is where Blitz really shines because it gives you out of the box, everything all pre-configured. And then it gives you the, the data layer where you don't have to build an entire API. So there's a few other things that Blitz does, like it, it removes some restrictions that Next has where Next requires all your pages to be in one single pages folder. And so like that thing is going to get huge. And then, but what Blitz does is allows you to have multiple pages folders. And then like we merge those together at build time, right? So this allows you to organize pages by either domain model or like some type of domain context. And so if you have multiple teams working on the project, you can have like, your files organized by team and the pages that team A is responsible for can live in that part of the code base and other pages can live elsewhere.
1: And it sounds like in addition to that you do a lot of the, the scaffolding using Next. Like you'll, you'll code generate a bunch of stuff in addition to allowing you to have separate pages directories like you said but you'll also do a bunch of code generation
0: yeah, so especially if you're using the Blitz API like data layer, then we have generators just like Rails does for generating. We can generate end-to-end code, so all your queries and mutations, your pages, like an empty form stub. Yeah, so that's really nice. One thing we're going to add beyond what Rails has here is ability to override the templates, like customize them, and have the template definition right in your project. And so you can customize that to fit like how you're building your app, you can add new templates. So instead of using plop or something, like you can just hook into the Bliss generator and then everything's really nice.
1: Changelog News is the best way to keep up with the ever-changing world of software. We track, log, and contextualize the coolest projects, the best practices, and the biggest stories each and every week. Make changelog.com your daily destination or hit the snooze button and subscribe to our weekly newsletter that hits inboxes on Sunday mornings. Join more than 15,000 enthusiastic readers. It'll cost you exactly $0. And you can subscribe right now at chainsawcom weekly. Let's talk about that compilation step. Does Blitz compile itself away a lot like a Spelt would? Is it nearly, or is there a runtime API with Blitz?
0: So basically compiles itself away. Yes. So what's left is a Next.js code base. Right. It's actually the same .next folder. So what's in there is next pages and next API routes. And then it has some library code from Blitz that like will handle the request at the API route and then it has some client code that will like receive that request and you know deserialize it etc.
1: Very cool so it really is like a meta framework on top of Next that manipulates Next and does things and generates some code that data API layer in the middle injects it into a Next app and that's what it produces yeah pretty cool.
0: For deployment you can deploy it serverless just like Next run it on Vercel um, or AWS, or you can deploy it as a server to DigitalOcean or Heroku and run, let's start, dash dash production, and then it's a long-running process. So you get the choice of whether you want it to be serverless or not, which is one thing I like love about it versus Ruby on Rails where like you're stuck with a server. Yeah.
1: Why would you pick a server if you can go serverless?
0: Right now, uh, there's still a bunch of issues with serverless, like how to do queuing and background processing mm-hmm. is like really hard and complicated to do it with Vercel. There's like only like one or two providers like Cloud AMQP, which runs this MQ, and they allow you to use or to post messages to a web endpoint, which can be Vercel. But you can't use any of the AWS stuff because it has to be inside the Lambda ecosystem. Right. So we have people running on, uh, like, Render now. So they have running Redis, I think, and Sidekick, alongside, long running Blitzhab. And so they have their background processing there. Gotcha. The other thing is cold start issues and database connection pooling.
1: Well, tell me more.
0: So, uh, like, Postgres database, let's say you have, like, 20 connections. And so to run serverless, you have to have a connection pool in front of that, like PG Bouncer or um, AWS's thing, which is um, RDS proxy, I think. But that can only work inside AWS VPC, virtual private network thing. So Mm -hmm. you can't use that with Vercel. So right now, like one of the only options is manage Postgres on DigitalOcean, which does have PG Bouncer built in. And so it's easy to turn on. But it's still like another thing to, to, like, think about.
1: So, if you spun up your server-side Blitz app instead as a long-running process, that would do the connection pooling for you.
0: Yeah, Prisma will will do that, or whatever your database client is. Right. Sounds like
1: serverless is still a lot of work, even though it's not supposed to be.
0: Yeah, especially for a full stack app. I think there's definitely a like huge opportunity right now for. Building a platform for serverless full stack. Vercel has recently pivoted to front end. Like, that's their thing now. They are the platform for front end. There's no longer full stack. And so now there's something like Vercel for full stack that has actually first class database integration, queuing, background processing, all of that. So that's like, that's potentially something that I would pursue at some point for funding. Yeah. Like, funding myself to work on Blitz full time is. Having a platform that would allow, like, make it super easy to deploy Blitz.
1: Right. So that leads me into my next line of questioning, which is a lot about your plans. Because it's pretty early days, February start. We're in the end of June here, early July, as this ships out. So what is that? Four months, five months of effort. And you have a lot to show for it. Like you said, you've been putting 30 hours a week in pretty much nonstop, so that's going to produce a whole bunch of stuff, and it's not just yourself, but you have a lot of coming soon ideas that seem really cool. You have installer recipes, you've got some built-in authentication you're working on, you're going to build a platform to take over the world, just kidding on that last one, but how do you prioritize? How do you think about what's next? Is it obvious Like there are big gaps that Blitz is missing that you're just pounding out, or does it take more thought and what order of operations are these things coming in?
0: It's pretty obvious. Right now the missing piece is authentication. That's what everybody's asking about. We're gonna get that shipped and it's built in authentication. It's really secure and it's easy to use, so it's gonna be so nice. It basically you can think of it as device, which is for Rails, but it'll be kind of built into the blitz.
1: Yeah, that'll be great. If there's one thing that every single web app pretty much does. It's authenticate users, right? Yeah, exactly. So you're working on that one actively? Yeah. And you had these plugins idea.
0: Yeah, so plugins are going to be a little bit uh, later, but the next one up after authentication is the recipes, and because we're going to use recipes to install some of the authentication code. So
1: tell us what recipes are exactly.
0: So recipes come from Gatsby, gatsby a recipes is a, a thing they've announced relatively recent it's in alpha i think mm-hmm. and essentially a recipe is an mdx file that defines certain operations in your code base it can add dependencies to your project it can add files to your project it can update files in your project and so a recipe is a way to describe like some type of modification so you can For example, you can install a third-party library. Mm. So you could run blitz install styled components and that would install styled components. It would add the necessary code in the Next.js like root app component just so that SSR would work and all of that stuff. And so it's one command to to do multiple things. So if you're familiar with Next.js, all of their example apps, they have like, I don't know, maybe hundreds of example apps in the repo of how to do these type of integrations. Mm-hmm. So we can basically take every one of those, turn it into a recipe, and you never have to go hunt in the right repo, copy and paste. You just run a command and there you go.
1: What's an MDX file look like?
0: MDX is a markdown file that allows you to have React components in it. So for example, one of the React components would be add dependencies. And then a prop to that would be an array of dependencies that you want to add, so like style components.
1: So you use a React component to instruct Blitz to add dependencies to your Blitz application.
0: Yeah, so Blitz will provide you, and Gatsby does the same thing, it provide you a set of components of all the operations that you can do. And then as a MDX, op, as an author of this recipe, then you can compose those together however you want. Um, and you can actually compose other recipes. So Recipes can compose recipes, and so you could like construct this uh, kind of like a personal boilerplate. Yeah. Right. So like blitz install my awesome boilerplate would install twenty dependencies that you want for every project.
1: Right. I, I totally
0: understand the
1: the purpose. I may have to go look at some MDX files to grok it because I just wonder why are these React components? Like you're, you're imperatively, it's a script, right? It's like an install. It's a setup script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're using React components to install dependencies. It just seems like it's React components all the way down.
0: Yeah. So Gatsby is the brains behind this. Okay. We wanted the concept of this installer idea. And then we realized they were doing the same thing. And so we're joining forces with them. We've been talking with them about like, so we're going to be sharing code, but they have a custom react renderer that parses the MDX file. And so what it allows you to do is things like have a recipe that's added to your project. And then later, if the recipe updates, the actual like recipe runtime code can detect the changes between the version of the recipe and make updates accordingly.
1: It's like virtual DOM diffing, but there's no DOM. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like uh, Jekyll and Hyde kind of stuff. I'm going to have to go look at some of this code.
0: And then the other way is just like it's composable. Just like you compose React components, you can compose all these different things together.
1: That part makes sense to me. Why you'd want to compose a recipe? Absolutely. I still am questioning the methodology or the actual way that this is being built. But let me go look at. I'll blame Kyle and the Gatsby I was like, team. No. i look at it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should definitely talk to them more about it. It's kind of like
1: there's one big hammer called React, and so all I have is a <laughs> bunch of nails that I hit with the <laughs> React hammer, but. I like the concept. I think it's very useful. And I'm going to go check out some MDX code to see if maybe just conceptually I'm missing it and I'll see it when I see the code. For now it seems a little bit strange. So you got uh, built-in auth coming in. You got recipes coming up those are going to be able to generate some blitz apps with built-in auth and other boilerplatey things. You got plugins which you're going to have a Fauna plugin Right, the the built-in Prisma stuff is going to become a plugin. And then what else is on the pipeline?
0: Beyond that, um, a big one is the mobile React Native support.
1: Right, which is further down the road. What
0: does 1.0 look like?
1: Do these things have to exist? Are you guys getting close to saying, let's get stable, and then we can build from there?
0: 1.0 will not have mobile. 1.0 will have authentication and... Probably in recipes and then probably plugins. I'm not sure yet. not sure yet when we're going to move to beta, but probably once we get authentication, like that's the last big piece of like, hey, everything's here. And we know Next.js is like already rock solid. Like it's already battle tested. And so there's like, once we get it compiled and it's running, then like it's battle tested code. And so we can go to 1.0 relatively soon because we don't have a lot of custom runtime code.
1: Sounds really cool, Brendan. So the website is blitzjs.com. Is that the best place to go? If people want to get started, give it a try. And yes. what's the best way to get involved community wise? Maybe they check out Blitz and think this is cool. You don't want to be cooler. And then they have an idea. What's the best sure. way to get involved in the community contributor wise?
0: Well, if you have an idea, open an issue on GitHub or a discussion there. You can also join the Slack community, which is a, is a great thing. We have a lot of people in there chatting back and forth about ideas and, and problems. If you get stuck with something, you know, feel free to ask a question on Slack and somebody will help you. And then definitely we welcome anyone to contribute in any way. Like we love new contributors coming in. I'm happy to help anyone personally. Like if you're new to open source, I can help you out. We have a contributing guide on the website. that says how to contribute, click on that. And we have a few things to go through.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me. Thanks for giving us this intro to Blitz. Best of luck with the framework. Looks like you have a lot of exciting stuff to work on. We really appreciate you coming on JS Party.
0: Thank you so much. My pleasure.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of JS Party. If you like this show, I bet you'll dig our other shows too. Have you listened to Practical AI, Brain Science, or the Changelog yet? Check them out at changelog.com or subscribe to Changelog's Master Feed. It's all of our shows in one easy location. Find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Catch them all and you can pick and choose which episodes interest you the most. It's a no-brainer in my humble opinion. Thanks to Brandon Bayer for joining me on the show, to Breakmaster Cylinder for producing our amazing beats, and to Fastly, Rollbar, and Linode for their continued support. That's all for now. K-Ball and GraphQL next week.